B'shem Hashem Na'asev Na'asliyach. Welcome everyone to our weekly Zera Shimshon Shi'ur on the parasha. This week's parasha, we are covering parashat Vayigra, Sefer Vayigra. We're going to be doing Ot Bet, Ma'amar Bet of the Zera Shimshon. This Shi'ur is dedicated for the Refuah Shalema of Kol Chole Am Yisrael, especially... And Leilu Nishmat Rafael ben Monavar, Immanuel ben Monavar, and Shemuel ben Rabbi Yehuda, Yehoshua Baba Zadeh, and Nisan Haim ben Helen, and anyone that anyone else. And Bezrat Hashem, this Shi'ur, as always, as the promise of the Zera Shimshon, should be a Melitz Yosher. It should be uh, his promise should come true for all the singles to be Bezrat Hashem. Find their zivugim beitovizmano bezrat Hashem bekarov amen keni ratzon. So the parsha says, Parashat vayigra. The Zera Shimshon brings a midrash rabba. By the way, I've, I've I've told you guys before that one of the things that I I love about the Zera Shimshon is that he he opens up a lot of midrashim that many mefarshim don't technically do. The Zerah Shimshon talks a lot about the Midrashim and asks a lot, about the, asks a lot of questions on the Midrashim. And it's something very cool that he does. Um, by the way, um, those that are not here can um, listen uh, to these Shi'urim either on TorahAnyTime.com, on my YouTube channel, or on the Zerah Shimshon YouTube channel, or on Spotify. Please do subscribe to the Spotify channel and the YouTube channel so that you shall be notified when the Shi'urim become available. And then like one of those crazy guys, subscribe now! Okay, <laughs> Midrash Rabbah says in Vayra Aleph, Any Talmid Chacham that does not have Da'at, Da'at loosely translated is as, um, how would you translate uh, I would say knowledge. No, between knowledge and wisdom. Right? Between knowledge and wisdom. So he says, Any Talmid Chacham that does not have Da'at, Nevela, is like a Nevela. What is a Nevela? A Nevela is a, an animal that died without Shechita, or... This is a kosher animal that died without shechita, or it was shechted and then found out to be um, pasul. They found some kind of unkosher something within the animal, and they find out that it was not kosher to begin with. Then that animal becomes a nevela. It's asur to eat that animal. right? Whether it died on its own, a dead cow, a dead sheep, it's asur to eat it, because it's not shechted. Right? If you shech the animal and you find some kind of a pagam inside the animal, some kind of a, 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 a defect, it becomes a nevela as well. If it's something that could have caused the animal to die before its time, with, within a year. Okay. We're not going to get into those halachot. But, and he says, Tova hemenu, a nevela is better than a talmid chacham that does not have da'at. That's what the Midrash says. A, a, a Talmid Chacham that has no Da'at is worse than a Nevela. 
is worse than a dead animal's carcass. And he says, Tedalecha, you should know. Tedalecha ken, Shehare Moshe Rabbeinu Alaba Shalom. That Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu, Adon HaNevi'im Chamim. He was the head of all the prophets and the master of all the, uh, and the father of all the Chachamim. And even though he was such a great person, and he's still known till today as the greatest Navi that ever lived, he was the head, and he's, he's Moshe Rabbeinu, he's the Rebbe of all the greatest sages, with all of that as his title. Velo nichnas lifnim at he did not go into the tent of meeting until he was called upon by Hashem. In this week's parasha, Vaikra, we hear God's calling to Moshe Rabbeinu. It says, Vaikra Hashem el Moshe me'ohel me'odlem. Hashem called on to Moshe from the tent of meeting. So here the, the Midrash is telling us, look, Moshe Rabbeinu was a brilliant person. He understood not to go into the tent of meeting Unless he's called by Hashem to go into the tent of meeting. You don't just go into the Ohel Mu'ed to meet and talk to Hashem. He only went when he was invited. Shenemar, as it says, Vaigra el Moshe, that Hashem called to Moshe, Vaidaber Hashem elav, Hashem said to him, this was all after Hashem called him, then Moshe Rabbeinu entered. So now, the Midrash is saying, look, anybody, any Talmud Chacham that does not have that is worse than a nevela, than a dead carcass. Why? Because even Moshe Rabbeinu had enough da'at, he was a great Chacham obviously, he had enough da'at not to go into the tent of meeting without being called upon. So now the Zeresh Mishan is going to ask like, really? Like we have a couple of questions already in our minds. But we're going to say, oh Moshe Rabbeinu was a big deal, he was great because he didn't go into the tent of... <coughs> Because he didn't go into the tent of meeting without being called, he's not compared to a dead carcass. Like, that's how bad he would be. If, like, why? Why does it make it so bad? And what kind of da'at do you need for that? Why would you need such knowledge to know not to, be, not to go into the Ohel Mu'ed without being called? Why is that such a big deal that if, you, that if Moshe Rabbeinu Chas Shalom did it, he would have been Chas Shalom less than a dead carcass? Like, it's a little, you know, extreme, No. Are you following? Okay. So he says, this is surprising. How can we understand How could we even comprehend that a dead carcass would be even better, better than a regular person? Forget a Talmud Chacham. How could we say that a nevelah, a dead carcass, would even be better than a regular person? Can you say that a dead animal is better than a regular person? Here we're saying a talmid chacham, who doesn't have that, is worse than a nevelah. So he's saying, well, hold on a second. Are we saying that nevelah generally is better than regular people? Like, a nevelah is not even better than a regular person. That's not a talmid chacham, yet alone a talmid chacham. How much more so?
And this is something, he says this is something that has been asked before by other Mefarashim also before him. But he says, there is more to ask. What kind of proof is this that the Midrash brings? That he, said, that he brings the proof from Moshe Rabbeinu, Lomar, that doesn't have da'at, and nevela is better than him. And, and, but you know how we know that a Talmud Chacham that doesn't have da'at and nevela is better than him? You learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu was a good Talmud Chacham. He didn't go inside the Ohel Moed without being called upon. Really? You're com- like you're, that's what you're comparing it to? Moshe Rabbeinu is so great because... He wasn't compared to a nevela. Why? Because if he would have walked into the Ohel Moed, he would have been called a nevela. Like, really? That bad? So why is the Navi really? Uh, why is the Midrash bringing this proof from Moshe Rabbeinu? Ve'od <clears throat> says, and furthermore. It's difficult to understand. Why is the Midrash only discussing a Talmud Chacham? And didn't say that, for instance, the Midrash could have said, any person that doesn't have Da'at, that's how we would have said it, no? Any person that doesn't have Da'at is less than a dead animal. If you don't have uh, uh, common sense, let's say. person that doesn't have common sense is like an animal. That would have made more sense. Here we're saying, how could it be? How could it be? It's like a double negative over here. You're calling the person a Talmud Chacham, but you're saying he doesn't have Da'at, then how is he a Talmud Chacham altogether? A Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at, then how is he a Talmud Chacham? How could a Talmud Chacham not have Da'at? You know, a Talmud Chacham is somebody that has knowledge, that has the know-how. So how are we calling a Talmud Chacham somebody that doesn't have Da'at? I mean, this is the strongest question here on the Midrash. How are you calling a Talmud Chacham somebody that doesn't have Da'at? A Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at is worse than an Evela. If he doesn't have Da'at, he's probably not a Talmud Chacham altogether. So why are we even calling him a Talmud Chacham? If he's a Talmud Chacham, then he must have Da'at. If he doesn't have Da'at, then he's not a Talmud Chacham. It's very simple. So where's the Midrash going with this? So far so good? Awesome. So good to see you back here, my friend. So good. So, so good. They got a little boring without you in here, I got to tell you. You being back makes this so much worth it. Once in a while, I can just look to my right and just say a couple of things and have a nice laugh and go on. Do you want me to recap? You were. Oh, cool. Okay. Drink to that. So he says we could say to explain the words of the Midrash. The Gemara says in Perak Yud Aref of Sanhedrin, the eleventh chapter of Sanhedrin, Tzadik Bet Amud Aleph. Amrinan, Kol Mishen Bodaat. The Gemara says anybody that doesn't have Daat, Asur Lerachemalav. It is Asur to have mercy on that person. This is the Gemara. If someone doesn't have common sense, they're too stupid, you have no obligation whatsoever to have mercy on them. That is just common sense. It's just 
Something that a person is supposed to have. The person doesn't have enough da'at, enough sechel. The Gemara says, Asur It is forbidden to have mercy on such a person. They don't deserve it. Khar, as they say in Persian. If they, there's no better way of saying it. Someone that's not, just, you know, that's, I'm not saying that, by the way. Please excuse me if anyone's, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Got to be sensitive to all the, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, that anyone that does not have that, as it says in the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, Kilo am binotu alken lo yarachamenu osehu. It's because this, it's talking about something, because they are, they, they have no, no bina and that, no sechel, therefore HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not have mercy on them. That's what Yeshayahu says. So from Yeshayahu, the Navi, the Prophet, we learn that Hashem does not have mercy on, on someone that doesn't use their common sense. Right? So we learn from there that you don't have mercy, you don't have to have mercy on someone that doesn't use common sense. That's what he's saying. Ve'od, the Gemara says further, Kol hanoten pito, anyone that gives their bread, lemi she'en bodat, to someone that doesn't have da'at, yisurim bayin alav, chas v'shalom. He's gonna have hardship in their life, chas v'chalila. Someone that gives their bread, their own bread, to someone that doesn't have common sense, something that doesn't have da'at, is bringing hardship upon, upon themselves. And they say, shekol mishen bo da'at, and they say anyone that doesn't have that, lesof golem iro, at the end will be exiled. Someone that doesn't have common sense will lead to being exiled. That's what the Gemara says. Now we're going to figure out how this matches with the Midrash and what, this, what is this da'at? What does it mean? Who are we talking about over here? So he says, the Maharsha says over there on that Gemara, The Maharsha says, this person that the Gemara is referring to, that the person that doesn't have Da'at, <clears throat> the Maharsha says, we're talking about a person that doesn't have enough Sechel, doesn't have enough of a common sense to know. He doesn't have the sense and the common sense to understand that Everything comes from Hashkacha Pratit and everything comes from God's divine providence. And when this person really needs to really beseech God for something, ask God for something, and he needs to ask, and this person needs to ask God for help. And it's similar to where they say in the Gemara, anybody that has da'at, da'at, lesof mit asher will become, an ashir will become wealthy. And the fact that they, were, they said that at the end, a person that has da'at, at the end will become ashir, mishum shemitchilam marbebes chora. Why? Marsha says, because a person that has da'at, in the beginning, we'll start doing a lot of business, we'll start doing a lot of purchasing and different things, right? And in order to do business with these, what, he's going to buy a lot of things, let's say he wants to do export. He buys a lot of things as much as he possibly can. 
in order so that he can do business with it afterwards and become wealthy. And at the end, when he does all these purchasing and the selling, he'll realize, he'll come to the understanding that, you know what? All this monetary value that I possess right now is really meaningless. Because at the end, I came to the understanding that what? Everything that I have comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if I don't pray, if I don't beseech HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter how much purchasing and sales I'll do, I can lose it like that. A lot of people that become wealthy, a lot of people that are wealthy, believe it or not, do come to this understanding. Because they see in their business many people doing the same things that they've done. They see in their business people doing the same things better than he has done. And they're not successful. And on the other hand, he is or she is. And if they're smart enough, if they have da'at, they'll realize, you know something? It has nothing to do with my street smarts. It's got nothing to do with the way I'm handling my business. It's got to do with my connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I ask him, I believe in him, I beseech him, and he helps me the way he sees fit. So my Hatzlacha comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Maharsha says, that's Da'at, that's Sechel. A person has to have common sense. Anybody that has common sense knows that you can't do anything alone. Now notice how the Maharsha is calling this Da'at. It's just common sense. You don't have to be a philosopher. You don't have to go all out to believe in this stuff. You just have to be a regular person that understands, A, there's a lot of people out there, much more educated, much smarter, but sometimes they don't make it. Why does one make it and one not sometimes? And if they're making it, they have to say their blessings. And a lot of people actually do. I've spoken to wealthy people that have told me that personally. That when, when I would ask them what their secret is to their wealth, to their success, at the end of the day, they would always say like, uh, I always felt like someone's watching over me. You know, making things happen. You know? She says, then he realizes, That person will realize that he has to ask for mercy from the one who owns all the wealth in the world. And because he prays, then a person's tefillah will be accepted. And someone that doesn't have da'at, person that doesn't have that sechel, doesn't have that common sense, that understanding, then he does not think about the fact that everything comes from the hashkachav, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and he doesn't know that he should ask Hashem for help in his life. He'll do a lot of business. He'll buy a lot of products. He'll go to, all of, to the ends of the world to make sure he does all the right things to meet the, all the right people. He'll be at this, uh, uh, um, at this show, at that show. Incidentally, I read the craziest story. Just to show you how HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world and you and I are nothing. Nothing. This guy had a um, 
he had a, um, a kitchen business, wholesale kitchen business. Like, what do you call it? Like, he would, kitchen equipment, thank you so much. He's my meturgaman, as they call it. He's my translator here. I don't speak English. So, um, he had a kitchen wholesale, and he was really trying to make it. He wasn't really there, it was just him, and he had one secretary working for him doing sales and stuff like that. But uh, times were tough here and there. He was really trying. So, um, there was a, one year, there was a show happening in Las Vegas. And he decides he wants to buy a booth uh, at the Las Vegas, Vegas show. And he's going to travel there and he's going to spend some money so that God willing, he'll, he'll make some money back. What does he do? He gets a couple of ads going on, one in the radio, and he gets a huge billboard on the road to the, to the show that's, that has his um, you know, kitchen, pictures of kitchen, different uh, equipment and stuff like that. And it's got his company name on it and everything, right? He takes out, literally, he takes out a $50,000 loan from his home to pay for these things. He didn't have money. He wasn't doing that well, right? And he does all of this. He gets himself a booth and everything. Comes close to going. He goes to his Rav to ask him for his blessing. And he says, you know, he's made this decision. And the Rav says to him, uh, you know, let's, say, let's, let's say his name was Yaakov. He says, Yaakov, to tell you the truth, I really wish you would have told me uh, before you made this decision. He says, well, why? He says, look, you know, you've made... You, you've made Huge changes in your life. I don't know what those changes were. I think he was having some problems with Kedusha and the spirituality and uh, you know, the filth of the world and stuff like that. As Rabbi tells him, you've, made, you've, you've covered a lot of ground. You've changed a lot in your life. You, you've made your family. You, I, I really think that Vegas is going to be very detrimental to you. I don't think you belong in such an atmosphere, in such an environment. I, I, I wish you would have asked me before. He says, okay, well, can I tell you, Rav, I mean, I, I invested $50,000. He had to take a loan, $50,000 loan. What, are you telling me not to go? So as Rav tells him, do you really want to hear me tell you what I think you should do? He says, well, I've always listened to you, so I'm, I'm, I'm here to listen. She says, I really don't think you should go. It's not worth losing out all the growth that you've done over this show. It's, it's going to be detrimental to your soul. I really don't think this is a place for you. You shouldn't go. Just like uh, an alcoholic that has stopped drinking, right, should move away as far away as possible from bars. This person had issues from before that he had worked on and his Rebbe was telling him, this is not the place for you. He goes home to his wife and his wife, when the wife hears it, she goes, oh my gosh, we got a loan from the house. And at the end he goes, you know what, your Rebbe's right. You've made a lot of great changes. I'm with him. If he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help, don't go to the show. It's just fine. If his wife says, like a good boy, he's going to listen to his wife and his rod. And he listens. True story. Sits there, the show goes on, and he's getting phone calls from clients. Or, I'm looking for your booth. Oh, I couldn't make it in a... Oh, you're not here? Okay, maybe we'll, we'll talk later. And chick, bye. Right? If you're not there, I mean, you're not there to present. There's so many different people presenting. Why would I want to talk to you? Right? The show is over. There's some quiet. Here and there he gets phone calls and he's sitting and he's just moaning. Like, just How is he going to pay back his loan? Right? How is he going to bring back this business? 
two weeks pass, he gets a phone call, and he's thinking it's going to be one of those. Hi, were you at the show? He says, no, she says, but I saw your billboard on the road. He says, well, yes, my billboard was on the road, but I didn't make it to the show. She says, listen, either way, he, he thought this is a lost case. She says, I, my name is so-and-so, and I'm calling you from NBC. We have a show that we have, which we, we pick a small business that we try to help out. We, we, we get personal like advisors for the small business, how you can grow your small business, and we put you on, on the spotlight. You'll have an hour, you'll be on TV, and your business is going to have free advertisement and everything like that. And I was just, you know, um, thinking maybe you'd be interested. She says, let me ask you, how did you like, why did you like pick my business? She says it was the craziest coincidence. I was coming back from Vegas, and I saw your billboard, right, that said so-and-so kitchens, right? I paid it no attention. I turned on my radio and the radio blast, so-and-so kitchens, it's the only place that I know. So I think to myself, this got to be a sign. I just saw the billboard and the radio. Then, All right, let me check out this business to see if it's the next big thing for our show. I look into it. I give it to my producers. They like your business. We want to give you the spotlight, right? Make a story short. He has the spotlight on TV. After that, he had to add like two or three people just to work to bring in the new clients that he was receiving in his business. Right? So, this is what the Zerah Shimshon is bringing from the Marasha. A person that has common sense knows your Parnassah does not come from you jeopardizing your Kedushah and sacrificing your spirituality. That's not where your Parnassah comes from. HaKadosh Baruch Hu would never put a person in that kind of a challenge for him to give the Parnassah. That's your test. Your parnasa comes from elsewhere. Your parnasa, a person's livelihood, comes from Akadosh Baruch Hu, right? Whether you whether you steal the money, always think of it this way: whether you steal the money or make it honestly, that's the money you were supposed to have to begin with. You have two ways to receive it: you could go steal it, or get it in the right way, with blessing. Either way, it's gonna be your money. Right? You could have this money. You could make these millions. It's just up to you. How do you want to make them? If you jeopardize sometimes your, 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 your family, your spirituality, you might never get there. This person would have never gotten the clients he got if he would have gone to the show. What? No. But the fact of the matter is he got his hands on the money. The money that's not going to have bracha, and on top of that, he, he has done an avera of stealing the oraita. I mean, it's crazy. But at the same time, he was yotze, the fact that he was supposed to have that money. So Hashem says, yeah, you were supposed to have $100,000, now you have it, now I don't owe you anything. Now let me punish you for the fact that you stole the $100,000. So a person could gain that $100,000 by means of the way it's supposed to come, right? A person is supposed to make $2 million a year. You could make that $2 million working weekends, Shabbats, and holidays. Well, you'll be paying back a lot more than money. Or you could make that $2 million working five and a half days a week. 
and not working Shabbat and holidays and all that stuff, and you'll still make that same money, and it'll have much more bracha for you. You choose. So the Marasha says, and a person, someone that doesn't have sechel, a person that doesn't have that Da'at, that common sense, that doesn't know that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaShkacha, he'll do a lot of business, he'll do a lot of buying and trading, and but if he, because he doesn't have that sechel to understand where it's coming from, he won't ask Hashem for help, he'll never ask Hashem for rachamim, for mercy, he'll never have that connection, Therefore, that person will lose out. And even go to reach the point of becoming an ani, to becoming poor. And it's going to become so bad that he might even have to leave his own hometown. So to speak, being exiled from his own hometown because he just can't make it. So he says, therefore, the Maharshal is explaining the Gemara. He says, Yes, it is forbidden to have mercy on such a person because they brought it on themselves. Because they brought it because they didn't use common sense. Again, something that we don't we might not call common sense because we're so gone. Times have changed so badly. Damarsha is calling common sense because it really is common sense. I often have to ask kids, peoples, kids, adults, like what, what is it, what takes more faith? Believing in God? Does believing in God, a creator, take faith? More faith? Or does not believing in God and being an atheist take more faith? Which one do you need to have more faith? So a person that is a barda'at, that has sechel, that has... A, a, a working common sense mind, logical, will tell you for sure being an atheist takes more, much more faith. Why? Because you just, it just, you just use your common sense. You see the things happen around you. You see the greatness of the world, the beauty of the universe. What do you, common sense tells you that all of this happened on its own? Is that common sense? That's what your common sense tells you? Everything just happened on its own. Right? A little leaf doesn't fall off of a tree on its own. The entire galaxies, all the stars happen on their own. That's your common sense. It's like me telling you, I'll shut off the lights and then I'll come around and smack someone in the head. Turn back the lights on, be like it happened on its own. And everybody else around you says it happened on its own. What does your common sense tell you? You're going to be stupid enough to believe everybody else? And be like, well, since everybody else says the theory that it happened on its own, so I'll believe the theory that it happened on its own. Why not feel the pain in the back of your neck and be like, someone just smacked me in the head. That's common sense. Right? You got to use a lot of faith to blindly believe everything happened on its own. That takes a lot of faith. I mean, you need a lot of prayer to ask the fake gods to help you believe 
that they don't exist. A lot. Say amen, my brothers. Everybody. <laughs> so here too, the Marsha is calling it what it is. The Marsha is saying it's common sense. And if a person doesn't have that much of a common sense to know that everything comes from the bracha of Hashem, they don't deserve rachamim. They don't deserve mercy because it's their own fault. No one has to teach you that. I come from a world that that was common sense. I was born in Iran. Persian traditional family. To us, God, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, was everything. It's like the idea of, oh, does God really exist was mere stupidity. Because to us, it was common sense. It was like, what do you mean? What do you mean there's no God? Like then, when, then what, what is there? You know, uh, explain to me how there is anything else. Right? Because it was, it was such common sense for us. Like obviously, there has to be. And that's how Abraham Avinu found God. That's how Abraham found HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's exactly what happened. He went through all the cycles of testing everything out and he realized like, nah, no. Everything has, a cre- everything has to come from a source. Everything has a source. So those that are really smart and have common sense will admit it. Those that don't, they're not. Usually most of them are people that just don't want to admit it. But there is that minority that is not about, they're not in denial. They actually want to believe that. I've had, I've listened, I was listening to the Dennis Prager show years ago on the radio. And he had this uh, um, thing about God. And an atheist called him on the phone. I remember it was a fantastic back and forth with him and this atheist on the phone. And I, I tell you as a rabbi, Dennis Prager dug a hole and placed this person in it. He destroyed him. Like destroyed. He had nothing, nowhere to go, nothing to say. He proved the existence of God to this guy like, like I couldn't do. And at the end, what does this guy say? He says, you're right, but I choose not to believe. That person, you're not chayav to have mercy on. That is someone that does have common sense. That's like an ostrich. An ostrich that puts their head into the ground and says, you're right, there is something happening around me, but I don't see it, so it's not there. You know that, Why would you have mercy on such a thing? Would you feel bad if the ostrich gets run over? Like, dude, he stuck his head into the ground when there was a, a, a stampede going on. What did he expect to happen? Same here. This guy literally, I, could, I was on the 405. I never forget. I was laughing so hard. This guy's like, you're right. You're right. But see, the thing is, I choose not to believe. So because I'm choosing not to believe, God doesn't exist. Poof, like that. It's magic. Try it. Try it. I was like, dude, can you be stupid somewhere else? It was, it was incredible. And this is something that's happening everywhere. People are taking this whole my choice thing to a new level. Like, this wall is yellow. Well, if you choose so, I choose to say it's blue. You laugh at this idea. This is what we're dealing with today. Right, what we're dealing with today on the new world, as we call it, 
is literally like, yeah, you, you have your opinion. You could call it blue. I'm not, I don't want to offend you. What do you mean it's not blue? Like, that's just wrong information. It's not. It's just, it's a yellow wall. Like, really? No, you know, everyone has their opinion. No. They're, they're just, they don't have common sense. What? Thank you. That is one of the most brilliant things you've said in this class. I'll repeat it for those that did not hear. What he said was, it's unfair to the wall. How about what color the wall wants to feel like it is? You're absolutely right. I have to apologize to the wall publicly here. I am really, really sorry for offending you. You choose to be, maybe he doesn't even want to be a wall. Why, why do you even get to, it's like, uh, it, it can go to God knows where. You understand what I'm saying? Anyway, back to what we were saying. What kind of agenda would want? What? What kind of agenda would want? So the Ma'asha says, this is what the, the, the Gemara is talking about, not to have mercy, is a person that basically doesn't have enough sechel, doesn't have enough of a common sense to understand that things come from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says, even though that a person has the obligation to be merciful for all briyotav, all of God's creatures, even on animals, creatures that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created, you have to be merciful. We have laws in the Torah against that. Right? Because they are are the same way they've been since creation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created these. Just as we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has mercy on all creatures. Like it says in Tehillim, The Tehillim says that Hashem has mercy on all of His creations. All of His creations. And this is a rule. We have to be merciful on all creations just like Hashem. But He says, Aval. It's a big but here. But, Ha'adam, Kevan shenivra bedaato v'sichlo, but a human being that God created with a knowing mind. We are created with free will. We are created as intelligent beings. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given humankind that intelligence, if he doesn't use that common sense intelligence to use it to talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to communicate with Hashem, to ask Hashem for help in life, he loses that sense of a bria of that creation that Hashem created so beautifully with that dat, he loses it. He is no longer considered as one of God's creations, that we are obligated to have mercy for. Until here was the marsha. This is a very strong marsha. Very, very deep and strong. He's literally telling us, what is the Gemara talking about? The Gemara is saying, yes, there is a certain degree of Da'at that every person should have. Certain degree of common sense. 
that person is not using that certain degree to ask for health, for their own success from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to have that connection, then you don't have the right to have mercy on them either because they don't have mercy on themselves. They're not using their own dat. He's basically saying, we're not dealing with someone, we're not dealing with some great knowledge that many people do not have. So have mercy on this guy, he just doesn't know any better. No, we're talking about an information, we're talking about knowledge that everybody has. Everyone should have. If they don't, they are choosing not to. Just like that guy that said, I choose not to believe. Because when push comes to shove, believing in HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Ulufize. This is now according to this. According to this. I just pull my... Ulufize. This knowledge that we're talking about in the Midrash that said that the Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at, common sense, We're talking about a Talmud Chacham that do, does not recognize that everything comes from Hashem. And he does not ask Hashem for mercy for the things that he needs. Betalmid Chacham Sheyodea Eta Torah, now a Talmid Chacham that knows the entire Torah, Beodea Mitoch Limudo, and he knows from the words of the Torah that he has studied, he, after all, we're, he's a Talmid Chacham, he's a sage. So he knows from his studies, Et Kochoshel Akadosh Baruchu, the power that Akadosh Baruchu truly has. If Shashelo Yakir Shakol Bamashkachato Eliona. It's not possible for him not to know that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So how could we say that a Talmud Chacham doesn't have that? A righteous sage doesn't have that? How could that even be? From everything that he learns, he should know that, he, that everything comes from Hashem. Beim can, and if so, lama en bodat rachamim? If so, what does it mean? Why doesn't he have enough sechel to talk to Hashem and ask for Hashem for the things that he needs? She says, however, this is what the Midrash means to say. What we really mean to say, what the Midrash means is the fact that he doesn't ask for Rachamim, the fact that this Talmud Chacham is not asking God for help. It's because this Talmud Chacham that the Midrash is talking about depends on his own merits. And he depends on his own chokhmah and his own Torah to receive things. You have a Talmud Chacham that will say, Shalom, you know what, I want this thing, I want to have this thing in my life, because after all, I've sacrificed a lot. I've learned a lot of Torah. I should, I deserve it. I have enough zakhut for Hashem to save me from this. I have enough merit for Hashem to do this for me. And he might be right. He might have all of that zechut, right? Shesover shebizchut zeh, because he thinks that because he has all of the zechut, Hakadosh Baruch Hu yaseimu kol ma'ashetarich lo. 
that Hashem will do everything for him because he has a lot of merit for all the good that he has done. And without asking Hashem for any help, he's going to use his own credit. I got enough money, I'm using my own credit. I don't have to ask Hashem for net. And because of this, that he relies on his own zechut, he doesn't have common sense to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the things that he wants. Now he says, according to this, that we're saying that this Talmud Chacham that we're talking about is a Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at, that he's using his own zechut. The Midrash says, Now we're going to go back to what the, what the Midrash said. We said, this Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at, now what Talmud Chacham doesn't have Da'at? We answer that question. The Talmud Chacham that doesn't have Da'at is a Talmud Chacham that depends on his own merits to receive things from Hashem. He doesn't ask God for anything. He says, I'm good for it. I've done enough good. I've learned enough Torah. I deserve it. That's the Talmud Chacham we're talking about. We've answered that. So he says, now, the Midrash said, a Nevela is better than this Talmud Chacham. And we said, what is a Nevela? A kosher animal that either died on its own or... That it, it was shechted, but it was found not to be kosher. That's a nevela. It's like, a nevela is better than that Talmud Chacham. Why? Listen to this. She, the Gemara says in Perak Yud Dalet of Shabbat, um, Perak 14, chapter 14 of Shabbat, Kuf Chet Amud Aleph. Number one, page 108, Amud Aleph. Ita Shatefilin the Gemara says over there, a person's tefillin, it is mutar, it is permissible to write them on parchment made out of the skin of a nevela or a trefa. That means you can write tefillin on a dead, taking from the skin, on the skin of a dead sheep or goat or whatever that died on its own. It doesn't have to be an animal that was shechted in a kosher way. No. You could even write tefillin on the skin of an animal that died on its own or it became non-kosher. You can write the tefillin on the skin of those. Might have thought you can't, but the Gemara says you can. Afal bi, even though that you can't eat the meat, even though the meat cannot be eaten. But the Gemara says, oh, hold on. Even though the, the meat is asur to be eaten, and the Gemara says the reason for this. Why is the meat not okay to be eaten. Why is it that a nevela, an animal that it dies on its own, even though it's a, it's a kosher animal, why can't we eat the meat? The Gemara says, Mashal anashim. It's a parable of two people. Right? These two people, both of them were chayav mita. They were, they were um, 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 set up to be executed. Two people were to be executed. One of them, the king himself executed. And the other one was executed by the um, head executioner of the king. Right? Now, which one of them, the Gemara says, which one of them is 
found to be more important. Obviously, they're both dead, right? But if you were going to give importance to one of them, which one would you say was a more important figure? The one that was killed by the king himself or the one that was killed by the executioner? The Gemara says, obviously the one that the king himself killed. Why? Because he had to, the king felt this person is a big enough person, uh, respectable enough person that he deserves to be killed by the hands of the king and no other. But the other one could be killed by anyone, the execution or whatever. So if there was a there was a respect system at least to put here for the two dead people that were executed, you would at least say the one that was executed by the king has more honor. It was more of an honorable death, so to speak. Right? This is just a parable. So he says, Ken, an animal that becomes a terefa or a nevela, which means the animal dies by itself or it has a blemish that it cannot be eaten, that's going to die on its own. Right? Who killed that animal? God killed that animal. So which one is a better animal? Which one is a better source of meat or skin or whatever it is? The one that died on its own or the one that was shechted by a shochet? The one that died on its own. It is actually being honored that God himself killed that animal rather than being killed by a human being. So therefore, those are your ter chashuvim They're more chashuv, they're more important. Those that animals that became nevelot, that died on their own, they're more important than the ones that are being shechted by human beings. So he says, Amar lehahumina that Gemara. The Gemara says over there, there was a like a kind of like an atheist, right? That said to the to the Rav in the um, in the Gemara that asked Rabbi Yehoshua Hagarsi. He said, "Hold on, according to you, Elamata, according to what you're saying, that this animal that died on its own is more important than that, right?" Yachlu? So I don't understand. You know, this is somebody trying to pull. You know, they're like, yeah, you're, you're saying that these animals that died on their own, God killed them, you know, because it's like the king you know, executed, it's more important, so why don't you eat it? Why don't you eat Nevelotu Trefot? Right? Amar He said to him, Torah Amra, because we don't eat the Nevela and Trefa, because the Torah says explicitly in Devarim, Lo tochelu kol Nevela. You shall not eat any nevelot, any animals that have died. You are not allowed to eat them. And you're saying it should be eaten? How could you even say that? The Torah directly says we shan't. So Rabbi Yusha is really telling him, you know why we don't eat nevelot and trefot? Because the Torah says we can't. Or else you'd be right. The one that died on its own is more chashuv, is more important than the one that was shechted by a human being. Amar le. So this... this Atheist <coughs> says to Rabbi Yoshua, he says, Kalus, this is great. I loved your answer. I agree with what you said. Bekashe. So Zash Mishan says, this is difficult to understand. What kind of an answer is this to what, the, what this guy asked? Right? Because this guy obviously, this mean, 
minim in those days were people that read the text of the Torah, but they would question things and they would like they wouldn't believe in the oral tradition. So it says Shareb, because this 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 guy definitely knew that it's asur from the Torah to eat nevelan terfat. He knows. He knew that it was not you're not allowed to eat a dead animal that died on its own. Says this person that was asking the question obviously knew that you're not allowed to eat terafot because the Torah says. And then he tells Rabbi Yosha and he says, Oh, according to you, it's better to eat the nevelot that were that the animals that died on their own. So why don't we eat it? So Rabbi Yosha answers him, because the Torah says so. Oh, because the Torah says so, that's a great answer. Rabbi, the Zerashim Shon says he, he, he knew that answer. That's why he was asking. He was really asking what his question really was, was why does the Torah make it asur to eat nevelot? And your answer was, because the Torah makes it asur to eat nevelot. How did that answer his question? And what does the Gemara say? He says, oh, that's such a good answer. But that, that, his question was your answer, right? So he says, the Ian Yaakov says, We got, sorry, I'm just going to go a little quicker. <clears throat> so the In Yaakov, he brings from the Iyun Yaakov that says, nothing bad comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God doesn't do any evil. Nothing bad happens. Anything that seems bad to us that comes from the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is good for something else or good for someone else. Anything you feel is bad has another cause and effect that is actually good. You just might not see it. Nothing bad comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he says, so too here. An animal that dies when the hands of Hashem, Meshubachat Yoter, it is a much better, I guess, it's better. Somehow it is better if it dies by itself than to be shechted. Right? And really, if you really think about it, it should have been permissible to eat by a Jew because it is better. You're right. Right? But it's only a sur to eat. It is. It is not permitted to eat this. Why? Because Hashem has set aside different stages for different things. And a nevela, an animal that dies on its own or it gets killed by a different, or whatever it is, it should be left for other animals like the dogs to eat. They need their source of food too. So Hashem kills one animal in order for other animals to eat. Not everything has to be yours. So yes, you're right. Technically, you should have a human being should have been able, Jews should have been able to eat a nevela. But Hashem says, you have your shechita. Animals that die on their own, throw it to the dogs. Let the dogs get a piece of meat. Let the dogs also have good food. I want them to have it. And therefore, even though 
that when an animal dies from a herd, it's bad for the shepherd. And it's bad for other people because they can't eat it either. Like Jews cannot, would not be able to eat it. Yes, it's bad for them. But there's another side of the coin where it's good for the other animals, for dogs. Let them eat also. They get some positivity out of it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not keep any sechar, any reward from any of his creations. Just like the dogs. Listen to HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the time of the Exodus. There's a big, uh, if everybody knows this, that when, when the Jews were leaving Egypt, the dogs did not bark at the Jews. So from there, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made a command in the Torah that any, any food, any animal that a Jew shechts, or if it dies on its own in your herd, give it to the dog. It's the reward of the dogs for, for listening to Hashem during the Exodus and not barking at the Jews. So he says, even here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's doing good for somebody else, even though it might look bad to you. Therefore, a nevela is not eaten in order for Hashem to show you that Hashem does not take away reward from anyone. Everyone will get their share. Everyone will be rewarded for what they deserve. Nothing is ever taken away from anybody and give it to somebody else. Even the dogs that didn't bark in Egypt, HaKadosh Baruch Hu planned, because you didn't bark, for centuries and centuries to come, you will be rewarded. Because I'm going to make a law that any animal that dies on its own, my people will give this animal to you dogs. For you to eat. For you to enjoy. Even though, technically speaking, it's a better meat, better quality. Because I was the shochet. But you know what? I'm going to have you have it. The dogs have to get rewarded for it. So he says, listen to this now. Now he's going to bring it together. You'll see. <clears throat> so this nevela is not eaten because HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to show the word, world that he doesn't take away sakhar from anything or anyone. Even from dogs that ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, believe it or not, if you read Perak Shira, you'll see every creature in the world beseeches God and asks God for their livelihood. So it says, Hashem says, even dogs that talk to me, I give them what they deserve. I give them their sakhar, I give them their food. No, like it says in Tehilim, Loten livhema lahmah livneor rau. Since Hashem says in Tehillim, David HaMelech says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives all creatures, all animals, their food, Asher Yikra'u, those that call out. Which means what? Even animals call out to Hashem. Even animals ask Hashem for livelihood. Even the animals are asking Hashem for food. Because they have enough sechel, at least that much to know where it comes from. So then, Be'ilu, however, Talmid Chacham, this Talmid Chacham that we said, that he has a lot of da'at, he has a lot of chokhmah, he learns a lot of Torah. But what does he do? He wants the goodness that he has to come from his own zechuyot. He wants to do it because he has his own merits that he's going to use in his life for the goodness that he has. So he doesn't ask Hashem for mercy. He, has, he doesn't ask 
asking for the things he needs, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Eno Rotzeh Latad Lo. Hashem doesn't want to give him them. Ve'ehud afsid anafsheh, and he's going to lose out. Therefore, ve'lachen ha'nevela tovahem menu. That's why the Midrash says, a nevela is better than a Talmid Chacham that tries to use their own merits to receive things from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why did the Midrash use the word nevela? Why are we saying a nevela is worse? Because nevela connects to these dogs, to animals that also get their livelihood from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And they ask Hashem for their livelihood, for that nevela. So the Midrash comes and says, learn from the Nevela. You know why there's such a thing as a Nevela that a human being cannot eat? Because Hashem has to prepare that even for other animals that are asking for food. So Hashem says, even though it's the better type of meat, I want you to leave it for the other animals that have been asking me for things, that have been asking me for mercy. I think about them too because they're talking to me also. So if a Talmud Chacham doesn't have that much Da'at to say, hey, if even animals are asking Hadush Baruch Hu for mercy, how much more so I should? But no, he decides, I'm going to use my own merits. I'm, I'm good enough. I'm big enough. Of course I should deserve what, com- what comes to me. I deserve better than this. Hashem says, then you're worse than a nevela. The Midrash says, that's worse than a nevela. Because from the nevela, you can understand that everyone needs to be besiege Hadush Baruch Hu. From the Nevela, we learn that everyone gets Sakhar from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing is left out. Whether you're Tamid Chacham, you're not, everyone has to besiege HaKadosh Baruch Hu for Rachamim. Fachshav, therefore, the Midrash brings proof from Moshe Rabbeinu. We said, why is the proof from Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was a big Tamid Chacham, therefore he didn't go into the tent of meeting without being called. Why did Moshe Rabbeinu become the proof? Why did the Midrash use Moshe Rabbeinu? It's beautiful. Because if anyone could have used their own zechuyot, it was Moshe Rabbeinu. If anyone had merits to use, it was Moshe Rabbeinu. If anyone could say, I talk to Hashem face to face all the time. Let me go ask him a question. I'm going to go into the Ohel Moed right now. I'm going to the tent of meeting. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't do that. As big as I am, I still need HaKadosh Baruch Hu's permission. I still need things from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I will, not do, I will not use my own honor to receive anything from Hashem. Not even His commands. I will wait for Him to give me what, I, what He feels he, want, he needs to give me. That was the beauty of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, even if there, was, if there was one Navi that could possibly say, you know what, I'm good for it. I'm big enough, I'm great enough, I'm righteous enough. I can walk into the tent of meeting without being called. He didn't do it. When, when he didn't do it, that's why the Midrash says, don't be a Nevela, learn from Moshe Rabbeinu. There was no one more righteous than Moshe Rabbeinu, but he never used his own merit. He always depended on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls upon me, then I'm there. If he doesn't, I'm a nobody. That's how everybody has to be. Whether you're a Talmid Chacham or you're a regular person, you always have to learn to beseech HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And beseeching HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we said what? It's common sense. You don't have to be a great sage to say, ah, I've come to the knowledge of knowing that there is a creator. Whoop-dee-doo. You literally just have to have a mind. That's all you need. Just look around you and you'll see HaKadosh Baruch Hu everywhere. That's what the Rambam said. The Rambam, 
the greatest phys physician that ever lived. What did he say? He would say, if you look at the world, flowers, the science of the world, you, would, you, you see HaKadosh Baruch Hu in it. Rambam would find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the beauty of the world, of the creation. Flowers, trees that he was fascinated by, how they have cures, this, that. He would say, if you don't see Hashem, I don't know where you're looking. That's how we have to lead our lives every single day. We have to see Hashem everywhere, and we have to ask Hashem for rachamim, for mercy and goodness all the time. All the time. Never feel, I'm in a good place in life right now, I have what I need, I'm good. I'm righteous enough, I'm tzedeket enough, I'm whatever. Never. It's never enough. We always have to have that connection. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.